It's with gratitude that I say thank you for your continued support of the Mindful Rebel podcast. As the podcast approaches 100 episodes and the podcast continues to grow and the listenership continues to grow, I want to connect you with the resources that can help you along your journey. Please check out these curated sponsors that will help you in your own personal and professional development. My name is Richard Bailey, and I am the CEO and co-founder of GroupFit, which is a health and fitness platform for the Black community. Living and maintaining a healthy lifestyle is one of the best ways to practice mindfulness. Now, it's no secret that exercising has its benefits for your brain and thought process, but since exercising requires you to be mindful throughout your entire workout routine, this can easily spill over to your everyday life. So to get started with practicing your mindfulness in a way that will help you get and stay fit, download the only Black Fitness app and join the Group Fit community today. Now, for more information, you can head over to www.groupfit.co. That's spelled G-R-P-F-I-T. Thank you. This episode is also sponsored by the Planetary Sound Immersion Fundraiser. Support great initiatives that help heal our communities. The Planetary Sound Immersion Fundraiser is Wednesday, December 19th at 6.30 p.m. at the Fernbank Science Center in Atlanta, Georgia. The sound experience will be unlike anything ATL's ever seen before, with five sets of quartz singing bowls, five sound healers, deep ethereal sounds of gongs, and the starry cosmos above and around you. This event is not only epic for your mind and spirit, but it's also a fundraiser. The fundraising initiative is designed to create job opportunities for sound practitioners and wellness centers and nonprofit organizations so that they may continue to serve our communities in mental health and wellness spaces. For more information about the event, check out the information in the podcast description or go to soundembrace.com. That's soundembrace.com. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel Podcast, the podcast where mindfulness and leadership intersect. My name is Sean Moore, and I'm the host and creator of the platform, The Mindful Rebel, as well as an educator, scholar, and creative. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Richard Bailey. Richard fell in love with health and fitness at an early age. From basketball, football, track and field, to 15-plus years of professional competitive dancing, health and fitness has always been an integral part of his life. Richard graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Computer Engineering Technology from Rochester Institute of Technology and followed with a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Rochester, Simon Business School. His professional experience includes software engineering, technology research, finance, and business operations at Intel, Vanguard, Xerox, Kodak, and Lockheed Martin. Hailing from Harlem, New York, Richard currently splits his time between Atlanta, Georgia, and Los Angeles, California. He is co-founder and CEO of GroupFit, a fitness platform for the Black community. Uh, welcome to the Mind for Rebel podcast. Uh, for this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Mr. Richard Bailey. Um, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to join the Mind for Rebel podcast. I'm looking forward to this evening. Perfect. I think the you know the great place to always start with these podcasts is just to get, get a foundation for um, provide my listeners a bit more context with who I'm talking to. So if you can talk to me a little bit about your journey um, in the health and fitness work that you do. Um, and I know that, you know, it's pretty unique that, you know, you come from an engineering background. Um, how did, how did this, the work that you do um, based off of your background kind of come together um, to where you are in your journey now? Sure. Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. And uh, a lot of people usually don't ask me that. Um, Cause I guess you really don't see too many, I guess, the, unfortunately, you know, the stereotype of engineer, you don't see too many kind of dive into the health and fitness space. Um, but, you know, I grew up in New York City playing a lot of team sports. Uh, you know, my, my, my sport of love is football. 
Um, so I played football in high school. I did track and field, pole vaulting. Um, but, you know, um, what really served as a, the basis for my passion for other fitness is my dance career. Uh, so I had the pleasure of being a professional and competitive dance dancer for about 15 years. Um, so even, you know, while I was going through the uh, being a young kid, trying to figure out what I was going to do, going to different high school, going to college, trying to figure out what I was going to do next in my career path, no matter what stage I was in, dance and fitness has always been that one constant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, a young age, doing health and fitness, dance, sports. Uh, by the same time, I went to a high school that was dedicated to science and math. Uh, the Bronx High School of Science. And that was kind of where I got my first taste of, you know, electronics, computer science, uh, and things of that nature. And I kind of fell in love with engineering. Uh, so I decided to go to engineering, uh, go to a school at Rochester Institute of Technology, where I made the computer engineering. And uh, fast forward a couple of years, I uh, had a lot of experience of working in uh, software engineering, the UI developer, and then eventually technology research. Uh, but I quickly realized that I didn't want to be an engineer for the rest of my life. Um, at that particular moment of time, I realized I'm more of a generalist and I kind of started to get a lot of self-awareness and I kind of took pride of being a generalist. Uh, and I was great at being an engineer, but I wasn't as good as the quote unquote experts in my field. And that was okay. Um, the most important thing to me was that I understood that. Um, but the good thing about being a journalist is that I could be able to see things for a bigger picture, um, but still dive deeper on any vertical and learn a lot about that particular vertical and still bring things back up to light and still tie things together. And that led me to business school. Um, and it was in business school that I had the idea of my first health and fitness app. Uh, and I told myself whether it's right after business school or somewhere down the line, I'm going to pursue uh, that idea at the time. Totally different to what Goofit is now today, but that to me was the perfect marriage between uh, my passion for technology and my passion for health and fitness. So with that, I know you, you talked about, you know, your how your love for the tech, technology piece and the health and fitness um, kind of came together at an early age. And then, you know, even thinking about what that looks like, now I know that you have GripFit. Can you talk to me about what GripFit is and, you know, maybe how um, the app came to be um, and a little bit about it so that my listeners have a, a better context of, of what the app is and how dope I think it pretty, it pretty much is. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so GripFit is essentially a health and fitness platform for the Black community. Um, our grand vision or mission is to simply make help make our community a more fit and healthier one mm. um, so through the use of the GrooveFit app we're providing our users with all the tools and resources needed to start share complete their health and fitness journey um, now all the app um, we do provide the practical tools such as work guided workouts that vary in difficulty styles and lengths of time similar to other health and fitness apps However, how we differ uh, is on the social community uh, front. So we provide people the ability to uh, post text updates, photos, and videos that relate to their health and fitness journey. They can connect with others who, uh, who have similar interests. 
to certain uh, health and fitness topics such as weight loss, diet, nutrition, um, training, et cetera. Uh, but also you can read health and fitness articles that we post in-house as well. So we are trying to be a one-stop shop for everything related to black health and fitness uh, because it's, it's, you know, a health and fitness journey, as you probably already know, uh, it's a complex journey. Uh, and it's, there's, not, there's no one variable um, um, that factors into how successful you could be along that journey. So we're trying to give you all the motivational, social, educational, and practical tools needed um, to kind of fit into your health and fitness lifestyle. And how this idea came about, it actually spawned from a previous idea. Uh, so my business partner and I had uh, another app called CrowdFit. Mm-hmm. And CrowdFit, uh, the whole idea behind it was just finding an exercise partner, regardless of race, background, ethnicity, whatever the case may be, um, who fit a set of criteria. And that criteria was different exercise styles and goals. So, for example, if you're a runner training for a marathon and you live in Oakland, you could find people that matches those same attributes uh, in your area. Um, and we launched that back in 2016. Um, and at this time, we, were still had, we still had full-time jobs. Um, and we were met with some moderate success, but we ultimately hit a wall. And what we quickly realized is that a lot of people were hip or, or you know, interested in the idea of finding out who people are from a social perspective, a social fitness perspective. Like, okay, let me look at, you know, Sean's profile to see how he works out, where he works out, what, you know, et cetera. But I don't want to take the next step of actually partnering with them. And in hindsight, it's like common sense, you know, a trainer partner is a more personable relationship. So doing that via some type of technical platform can be uh, hard to accomplish. Uh, but at the time, we thought it was a, we thought it was a good idea, obviously. Um, so we went back to the drawing board, did a bunch of research, interviewed several hundred people that went to gyms and whatnot. Um, and at the same time, we ran into a few different health stats as it related to the black community. For example, you know, 76% of us are shown to be either overweight or obese. That's a huge ass number. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously being a member of the black community, it wasn't too surprising, but a lot of these stats are very eye opening. And the deeper we dove into the research in terms of what solutions and services are out there, we realized that there, there wasn't any consumer tech product that, um, that provided us some type of solution for this problem, this, these issues. And you know, we decided to pivot right then and there. And a couple of months later, we launched uh, GrooveIt. With that, you know, I, I like to ask folks who, who are in the process of looking at their creative input you know, and, or output more or less, um, in a new phase. So, like you know, I know you mentioned that it you took the feedback or you took um, what worked, what didn't work with the previous app, and you you used it to create GroupFit. Um, what was that process like analyzing the previous app um, and figuring out and you know coming to terms with like, hey, this might not work this way, but we can mm-hmm. extract this information from it to help with you know our next you know creative output. You know, what, what was that like for you? And, you know, was that something difficult to work through? Um, and, you know, maybe what advice you, would you give to someone who's 
kind of in that same place of trying to pivot from one creative thing to to the next and what that looks like yeah it, it was a very tough time and probably uh, at that particular moment in my life probably the hardest thing i had to cope with in my you know as an early entrepreneur um and mainly from an emotional perspective you know you um we have put so much emotional and emotional capital and monetary capital into this product um only for it to fail and it was very hard to deal with um and to be completely honest it was rough for me um you know i sacrificed last year you know i was studying abroad uh, during business school while i was doing this i had an internship while i was doing this i was trying to get a full-time job after school while i was doing this um losing sleep losing relationships you know not keeping contact with family for all of that for it to fail so it was a very tough time um and but the, i'm glad that i went through that at an early stage um because what i had to quickly realize is that it it wasn't failing due to my or my team's lack of effort uh, now could we have done things better of course um but in terms of effort and output and like you said, creative output, you know, that wasn't the reason why we failed. Um, and I had to learn how to understand that. And, and I believe the user interviews and the feedback actually helped me with that. Um, because people that we were talking to, they validated a portion of what we were trying to do, you know, and that was the whole social fitness aspect. Um, now there's plenty of a health and fitness app to kind of do something in the social fitness space. By the time, a lot of the popular workout apps like the Fitbit Trainer, Step Counter, Nike Training Club, Training Club, et cetera, they had minimal or no social features or being offered. You know, at most you could do like a leaderboard challenge or direct message someone, but nothing that was very popular that shows you exactly who these people are that's on the app with you. Um, so once the people we talked to validated that side of what we were trying to do, all we had to do was figure out, okay, how can we now tailor our approach um, to something that could be more successful and how could we set up our business to be successful in the long run, you know, and we looked at, we looked back at, at some of the things we could have done better from uh, operations and product development perspective. Um, and then it was kind of a blessing that we found those health stats because we was able to tie an emotional um, aspect to uh, our project. And that kind of, that made me quickly forget about everything that happened in the past and just made me focus on what lies ahead. Um, and some of the advice, the one the, the, the advice I had for people is that kind of gave, that kind of brought me to to the present state of mind where my team and I, we're not married to anything. Um, you know, we're married, the only thing we are that we are married to is the the end goal. And that's providing uh health for this platform for the black community, making our community more healthier and fit. But everything else, our approach, how we get there, what milestones, what features, we're not married to any of that. And we always rely on user feedback and data to predict what we're going to next. So that's, if I had to pick one, you know, piece of advice related to creative output and pivot into a different project, 
and just quickly try to get over the emotional side of things and just simply look at the data and user feedback. Hmm. And that, you know, I think you bring up a really good point in, in letting, you know, the user feedback kind of guide, you know, the direction that you go into, um, you know, with that, when you think about the whole idea, you know, I had the opportunity to download, um, group fit and, and, you know, use the app. And I, th I think it's pretty dope because Thank of the community. Yeah, of course it's dope because of the community aspect that, that it creates, you know, inside the app to be able to kind of look at and see, and it's like, Oh, I see how people are, are navigating with their workouts and getting the tips and the, the social piece is really important. You know, I know exactly. that there are a lot of apps where, you know, yeah, you can download the app for the workout, but there's not the community that's built in into that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, sorry. And um, yeah. like one piece of feedback that stuck to us and we use to this day from one of our most earliest users, um, you know, uh, uh, a young lady who, who has a family, husband and mother too at home. And we still connect with her today. She mentioned to us, she loves the app simply because she has a place, a safe and encouraging place to come through, come to uh, with people who look like her and live similar lifestyles as her. And I sat back and thought about that. It's like, you know, yeah, I'm just hundred percent correct. So much of health and fitness uh, has to do with how we live, who we live with, our genetics, uh, you know, our family history of issues, the culture that we're immersed in, the lifestyle, et cetera. And that made us double down on the social and community side of that. So with that, you know, I, I would like to ask, you know, the whole idea of community and its importance, you know, I think is, is, is a big piece of this conversation. And for you and, you know, um, your team, how have you guys defined community um, through the work that you do? And maybe has that changed the perspective on what you think about community outside of the work that you do with GroupFit? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, on the app, I mean, there's several ways you could define community, uh, right? Um, how we have it in today, today's forum is the ability to identify topics of interest. For example, if your main goal is to lose weight and you're more interested in just overall wellness and nutrition, uh, you could connect with others who share those same topics. And then you can see all of the content that they generate on the app. And you can engage with them through, those, through the, the, the content that they post and you post. And we also have an algorithm built in where we suggest new users and content for you to follow in order to enhance your experience. Um, and then as you're going through the app, you'll see people engaging with each other from simple lines of congratulating them on their hard work um, to, to people asking questions, just straight up asking questions and people um, offering their advice or how to help them and things of that nature. Um, now we have a few other things on the product roadmap, like group functionality, group functionality, location-based stuff that we're going to get to probably sometime early next year. Um, but that's kind of where it's at today. Um, and how it affected us from an outside perspective, um, it really made us think about how can we localize our offline efforts, whether it's targeting a certain uh, city or community that has a high Black population rate in a city that's 
um, embodies a lot of that black community feel and activity in one city, such as in Atlanta, where I'm currently um, uh, currently in right now. Uh, but we also decided to do um, uh, boot camps that was free, just to, just as a good gesture to the community. Uh, so we did uh, three fitness boot camps, uh, two in LA and one in Oakland, where we partnered with local black trainers who were looking for more awareness and more clients, et cetera. Uh, and we also partnered with corporate sponsors who have initiatives to, to help uh, the black community as well. And, you know, things like that. And we're actually in talks with UNICEF to do a fundraising event in Atlanta community. Um, so not only did it help us understand our in-app product development, but it helped us really um, gain a passion for helping these black communities as much as we can offline. Hmm. So one thing I'd like to ask, um, particularly for, for entrepreneurs and uh, folks in the space that you're in, is that, you know, I know you have a team that helps you um, execute the work that you do for, you know, group fit. Um, has there been any lessons that you've learned from your team um, that have been beneficial uh, in your own kind of growth as a leader? Yeah. Uh, and a uh, quick, uh, quick clarification. So we have a big old team of two people. That's myself mm -hmm. and my co-founder, <laughs> uh, my CTO, Chris, uh, Christopher Gattat. Uh He's a former engineer for Apple and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great journey for us, uh, both individually and as a team. Uh, we had the pleasure of knowing each other for over nine years. We did go to school together and coincidentally moved to the Bay Area to work in the tech industry around the same time. Um, we haven't had any issues. I think where we're both the same is that we allow ourselves to trust the competence of each other and trust the efforts of the other person. Um, since we've known each other and worked with each other in multiple capacities over the last nine years, um, clearly we have the educational and health and fitness background to have the domain expertise. Um, now, do we know everything? Of course not, but we do trust each other to do what we got to do uh, to succeed, regardless of what resources or lack thereof there may be. And so with that, how do you define leadership? Oh, great question. Um, for me, being having great leadership is having a clear and distinct vision of what you want your end goal to be, uh, but then allowing yourself to take the necessary steps uh, and the forever changing necessary steps along the way um, without being too stubborn um, and having the willingness to learn, but also in a way that is both effective and allows for the growth and development of yourself and the team around you. Mm. Mm. That's the vision piece is really important. Yeah, I think and that's I think, the most important piece to me. Yeah, and so I, I would I, I would like to ask in terms of you know based on your background um, and the work that you do, 
you know, what advice would you give to, you know, maybe an up and coming entrepreneur, uh, someone up and coming in the, in the tech area who has a really dope idea, a really dope vision um, that they want to grow, um, but maybe second guessing um, how to kind of execute what that looks like? I always start with just validation and validation can come, can come in many ways. Um, if it's a simple idea and it's a hard, it's hard to, I guess, build up some, some type of prototype or MVP, you can simply talk to a few people in that industry just to validate your idea. And I think what a lot of people get caught up on is the fact that they try to be so secretive, fearing that somebody may steal the idea. And I hear that all the time. And I always say, hey, there's billions of people out there, and I'm sure there's somebody else thinking of the same idea like you. But what's going to set you apart is your efforts and the resources that you build, that you have and come to understand along the way. And on, on the only way to build is to share your idea and get feedback. So I would start there, validate the idea, talk to people in the industry, and then the next step, is to create some type of minimal viable product, whether it's some type of manual process, whether it's a simple one page website with just like one action, or whether it's just an app that does one thing really good um, in a way that, uh, that doesn't take too long to develop. Um, it doesn't have to look good. It just has to, it just have to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, and if you could do that and you get some success there, uh, it's all about iteration after that point. Hmm. And so with that, um, I think it's a, it's a good follow-up question to this is that for you, what is, what does success look like? Yeah. So I always thought success is something that needs to be personally defined. Um, cause to me, success is purely just being able to give a hundred percent to something that you're passionate about whether that's teaching, working for a big tech company, uh, climbing a corporate ladder, whether it's being an entrepreneur, whether it's taking care of your family. If you could do that and give it 100% and you're truly passionate about it, um, that's, to me, that's successful because everything else will fall in line. You know, one, you're working on something that you're passionate about. So that drive and that motivation is always going to be, with, be within you from beginning to end. And if you're giving it 100%, giving it your all, it's only a matter of time until you quote unquote be successful. So that's how I would simply define it. Mm. And so with that, how do you, you know, what is, what's your perspective on mindfulness or what do you know, how do you define that? Yeah, so mindfulness is kind of similar is to, again, be given 100%, but for more from, a, a, a mental perspective. It's just being f fully paying attention to whatever is in front of you, whatever at, that's at hand. Um, but also at the same time, being fully aware of the immediate and long-term uh, consequences or benefits from what's going on in the present tense. And so with that, what for, you know, as, as we kind of evolve this conversation, you know, I know you talked about vision uh, being something that's really important as a quality for a leader. Um, but even thinking about that, what's one thing that you believe that the, the world needs less of 
in terms of leadership, in terms of mindfulness, in terms of you know, entrepreneurship work? What, what's one thing you believe the world needs less of? Mm. I think self-doubt. And I think um, the world needs less of it. But I think, unfortunately, we all um, encounter that at some point or even multiple points of our life. Um, I know for me, um, I encounter that every now and now and then, uh, as well, because, you know, the entrepreneurship journey has a lot of ups and downs and mostly downs. So it's very easy to doubt yourself and, and second guess like your, the process. Um, but again, it, it ties back to the vision and the passion and give it a hundred percent. Um, once you stick to, those core set of ideals, you know, you, you're bound to be successful um, in what you're trying to do at some point in time. Um, yeah, and I think that that self-doubt could be the number one enemy for that whole process. Hmm. And so you bring up a good point because I think this is becoming a theme that's been, that's been emerging, you know, as I talk to more and more folks on the podcast. And it's this idea that, you know, and it's something that I noticed too, in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and working with other folks in the capacity that I do is that, you know, there is this really super glamorized viewpoint about being an entrepreneur or, you know, creating um, and, and, you know, building your own business. Um, and it's interesting that the more and more people I talk to about it, that the people are being much more upfront and open about that it's not always the ups and there are a lot of downs mm -hmm. um, and I know I feel like that conversation is, has been shifting um, a lot recently that I know before that's always this yeah start your own business it's great work for yourself <laughs> and it's always going to be great and you make your own money um, and that's not always the the reality around that yeah the, um, mis the misconceptions are real and um, a lot of people don't post the downs they'll definitely post the ups but they rarely posted downs. Yeah. Was, was there a, a particular point that maybe that idea of entrepreneurship kind of shifted for you? Um, or was that always kind of the frame of mind in which you, you were realistic about, you know, being in this space? Um, well, I think I was always realistic to what was going to come just being, you know, with me being fortunate enough to be in Silicon Valley working, I had a lot of friends, roommates, colleagues who took the entrepreneurship journey. So I always saw them kind of going through it. Um, but even that didn't really prepare me like the true ups and downs that the roller coaster ride that comes with being an entrepreneur. I think it, it hit me about two, about three months after we had quit our jobs. So we had quit our jobs in February, on February 28th, the same day. And then literally March 1st, the next day we moved from Oakland down to Los Angeles to pursue Groofing full time. And, you know, no regrets there, but it was about that third or fourth month mark where the growth wasn't there. The retention wasn't as great as we expected. We didn't have as much product market fit as we thought we had. Um, the rejections kept pouring in in terms of partnerships, PR opportunities, accelerators, uh, investors, mentors, et cetera. And it was like everything started coming at once. Um, and when we was doing it part-time, we really didn't, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily didn't care, but it didn't come, it didn't come to us and say, 
magnitude as it did when you go full-time because when you're doing stuff part-time you still have the cushion the comfort of having a paycheck to fall back on um you have the distraction um to take your mind away from focusing on your business uh and then you, you naturally move slower um so from a numbers perspective the i guess the things that come at you in life uh, as a result of your entrepreneurship journey is not going to be as frequent as when doing it full-time um and that that's when i really had to kind of you know dig deep to myself and and start talking to more and more people who either uh, were going through the same journey as, as I was at this at the particular time, but also who people who've been there and done that. Um, and so that was around the summertime of this year when I really kind of got used to, well, you really don't get used to it, but I really started to, <laughs> I kind of, I, I really started to be realistic with, with myself and my team. And so with that, has there been a person that's been influential on your own kind of personal um, growth and development and maybe how they've kind of impacted you? I want to say one person, um, just like the app, I like to think of like my entrepreneurship journey as a community. I have about four or five people in my, in, in my circle um, who I constantly reach out to. And they're all doing different things, but they all are CEOs of their own companies and at various stages. Um, and they're like, you know, the shoulder to lean on. We, we vent to each other. We talk to each other. We talk about the issues that we face. We teach each other about different tactics and ideas and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, it's never, it's, it's it's never going to be one person um, in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, but in terms of like perf- this personal growth and development, uh, yeah, I think it's the same answer. I think, you know, just a lot of things in my life in terms of just being, um, cultured and being open to different things in life and having different mentors and going through life situations kind of helped me along the way, whether it was traveling, studying abroad, um, going to business school, um, being a mentor and also being a mentee, a lot of little things in life prepare you for being an entrepreneur that you really don't realize until you kind of get knee deep into it. So, what, so I, you know, you bring up a good point because I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking about my next question, but I'm also thinking about what you, what you said <laughs> about the idea of, you know, kind of having, you know, I was reading an article, I think it was on Inc.com, um, that talked about the whole idea of like having, you know, instead of having a mentor, having like a board of directors, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of expanding that idea out to have folks that specialize in different things that are kind of your your go-to for your own personal development. Um, was that always something that was a concept for you in terms of, you know, keeping it keeping it larger than this one person or was that something that you learned along the way through, through your own growth? Yeah, that's something I've always been mindful of. Um, Cause I always, you know, thought that there's not one person who could help you with everything. Uh, and everyone's going to have a different perspective on something, even if it's the same, even if it's the same, if, that, if those group of people who have the same experience. Um, and 
when I was growing up, I was involved in a lot of community-oriented programs and initiatives. I went to performing arts school where we traveled, you know, half of the year with each other. So we became brothers on tour. Um, uh, like I said, I professionally danced. I had a dance team, joined a fraternity. So I had a lot of brothers through there. Uh, I had a lot of close friends from my neighborhood that I still interact with, a lot of school friends. So wherever I went, I kind of always had a core group of people at, diff at these different stages of life who I always kind of surrounded myself um, with that helped me with my life obstacles. Um, and you know, that the, I, did, I, I, I probably didn't get a chance to read that article you mentioned, but I can already tell that I agree 100% with it. Um, you need more than one person to be a mentor um, for the simple fact there's so many things that you need to learn um, while being an entrepreneur. Mm. And so I think that's, that's a good segue too, in terms of, you know, talking about resources. Um, has there been, or what is a resource that has been pretty influential in your, your development? Is there a book, movie, podcast, anything that app, it may have been uh, beneficial in your development that you'd like to share that may be beneficial to some of the listeners. Yeah. Um, I believe the first book I read that re that relates to product management is real was what really started to get my creative juices flow flowing in terms of just product creativity and user experience. And that was a book called inspired how to, uh, I believe how to build, products that users love or how to build great products, uh, something like that. Um, forget the exact name, but I read it uh, about four or five years ago. And the whole book talked about the steps needed to build a product that users respect, love, would vouch for, and would continue to come back. And to me, being an engineer, I had the mindset of how to build something, but I think what people fail to completely understand is you have to immerse yourself in the minds of your users. Because um, with that comes knowing how to design a great product, color schemes, placement of icons, uh, et cetera. Um, it, 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 it teaches you how to build a great experience, it teaches you how to interact with your users. It teaches you how to reach out to them for feedback. It teaches you how to rely on user data uh, and insights. Um, and that's the, those are the most important things in terms of, uh, in regards to build, build, building a successful product. Uh, so um, that I admit, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I don't remember the exact name of the book, but it's called Inspired. Uh, and it's, how, it's something about how to build a great product. Uh, but that was the, the first book I read related to product and it kind of got, got me going. Hmm. And I'm, there's been something that you, you've mentioned kind of through the, the conversation and I, um, I think it's really important. It's just this whole idea of feedback, like mm -hmm. how to incorporate taking it in. And I guess the question I would have about feedback is that um, in the work that you do um, and your experience with, you know, taking in feedback, to make the product better. Um, how do you discern from maybe constructive feedback and the feedback that isn't necessarily beneficial for, for the work that you're doing? Mm, good question. 
So I, my advice there is to note and write everything down that someone is telling you, but at the same time, take everything with a grain of salt. Now I know those two things might be conflicting, um, but what it allows you to do is once you start speaking, speaking to multiple people and you start seeing a recurring theme, you can then go back to the notes you have on those individual people who are saying the same things, um, but dive a little deeper as to why and how they're saying it, which may lead to the root cause of what the issue may be. A lot of times when, we, when, when people speak to users, um, the users are saying things, but they may not be projecting the root the root of what they're saying. So it's up to you to start mapping some of these recurring notes together and putting them, um, putting them together and figure out what is the root of, of what's going on. And then even with the stuff that, that you feel doesn't resonate with your product or what or doesn't fit into what you're trying to do, there's still a reason as to why that person said it in relation to your app. For example, one common feedback that we always get is, hey, why don't you have some type of nutrition or calorie counter? Now, I won't, I won't say never, but calorie counter on an app is something that we probably would not do at all, uh, at least in time in the near future, because that's a whole beast of an animal and it deserves its own product and so many other people are doing that. Um, but what you start understanding why is, okay, I want they want sample recipes, two, they, they want more nutritional content, three, they want the education of how to, how to uh, cook certain things. And when you keep diving deeper, you understand there's other ways that you can do that that fit into what you're trying to do. And if those reasons kind of align with the other reasons of what, uh, what uh, why users are saying certain things, then you could put the, you could start connecting the dots. Um, and, and and start iterating on your product. Mm. That's actually that's really that's really good insight. It's, it's almost like you know, kind of reading between the lines of what mm -hmm. what the users need to. Even though they're saying one thing, it's like, well, what are they really getting at, and how can I provide you know a service for what they're really trying to to get, or the information they really really want out of this? Yeah, yeah. You always, I think, we always approach any type of enhancement or feature upgrade as a minimal value product. So for, for example, with the nutritional ca calorie counted thing, um, you know, we look at, okay, what's the, the least that we can do to still get the maximum output as it relates to our own product roadmap. And so what we found that we could do is we can write more, articles about recipes. We can allow people to post photos and videos and tag them as nutrition, diet and nutrition. You know, we are we thinking about having post templates to allow them to post recipes. So not only are we still getting to the root of what the user is looking for in terms of nutritional content, um, but we also do in a way that still engaging our users and allow our users to generate that content with with which with 
exponentially increase engagement as the app starts growing, but due to networking effects. Mm. And so, Rich, as, as we kind of wrap up, I, one of the questions I love to ask at the end of the interview um, is that at the end of the day, um, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. Just to aspire um, to, to be an inspiration to people who look like me and who, you know, come from places that I've come from. Um, I think there's so many intelligent and capable people within the black community um, that don't have access to the same resources um, that the general population uh, has. And that's why I always share my journey, whether it's for the better or the worse. I always share what I'm going through, whether it's through social media, blog posts, or a simple status update or a one-on-one conversation, because people need to see entrepreneurs are going through, not only to inspire them, but also to prepare them. Mm. And listen, I, would, I, I thank you for, you know, I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of book in the conversation because I appreciate you being so transparent in, in this conversation about, you know, the work that you've done, kind of where you've come from and, and how you've taken, you know, the work that you've done in the past to kind of elevate um, the product that you're working with now with GroupFit. So, yeah, I want to say thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Oh, man, no problem. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed uh, our conversation and I'm uh, looking forward to connected you again man i appreciate everything of course what's the best way for my listeners to get in contact with you uh social media website what's what's the best way yeah so first and foremost definitely download the app group fit uh it's available for ios uh today uh but you could also sign up for our android release announcement on our website uh it's spelled g-r-p-f-i-t the website uh, groupfit.co uh, and you can find our app store by searching group fit and our social media handles, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are all, are all group fit. Um, and you can follow us there. And if you have any questions, uh, that you want to ask me, uh, personally, you could email me at rich at groupfit.co. Perfect. Listen, Rich, thank you again. This was a great conversation. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you again for your continued support of the Mindful Rebel podcast. I appreciate the listens. I appreciate you vibing with the podcast. Um, If you would like to check out past episodes, please go to any of your favorite podcasts and platforms. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Anchor FM. If you want to learn more about me and what I do as a creative, an educator, and a scholar, you can go to my website. That's SeanJMoore.com. Again, that's SeanJMoore.com to learn a little bit more about me and what I do. Uh, Again, thank you for your continued support. Please, any feedback that you have, any potential guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know what you think. Uh, All feedback is welcome. Thank you.